Extraordinary stories from across Scottish football communities. This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. I'm your host Callum Woodger. And I'm Jake Gray. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all our listeners as we return for the quarterfinals of the SPFL Trust Trophy. And just to remind you of the format once again, each round of the competition we're going to bring you some of the best stories from Scottish football communities. We'll also chat about the latest trophy games and bring you powerful stories including... How Queen of the South brought some light into the life of fan George Bell with their festive friends hamper delivery. We'll also hear from SPFL Trust CEO Nicky Reid to learn more about festive friends and the Trust's overall winter response. And on the pitch, we're speaking to Queen of the South attacker Rory Payton and Clyde striker Jordan Allen ahead of the quarterfinal ties. But first, let's start by hearing a little more about the work Queen of the South did in the Dumfries community at Christmas as they delivered festive friends hampers. Christmas will be a big miss this year. Um, I'll go up to the cemetery on Christmas morning, um, but we always did things together. Um, she was my rock, to be quite honest. Very unexpected. I lost my wife in April this year and it feels a bit strange that uh, we would normally have had a, a couple of Christmas dinners out somewhere. Um, but Palmerston, Queen of the South was our first this year and it was very enjoyable. It's nice to mix with other people and, and make friends and obviously the hamper is much appreciated. So this year we're delivering 100 hampers out into our local community and it'll be split between individuals who uh, are at home on their own potentially this Christmas. So they'll all get a gift from the football club and a hamper, which is, is great. So we had uh, a few players out today dropping it off with George and it'll continue throughout the week and we'll have volunteers from the football club going out as well. I love Christmas, it's my, my favourite time of year. So did my wife. It's all about families and friends. Make sure that your neighbours are okay and just by spending a bit of time with them if they're on their own, even inviting them through for a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Um, the neighbours and, and friends are, are really quite important to me around here. I've got a granddaughter who would be waiting on her grand going down on Christmas morning, make sure she got her Christmas presents okay and Santa had been, so it's going to be hard, um, but have to make the best of it. I would say Queens have helped a big style this year as far as helping me and supporting me and giving me something to do, something to do on a, a Saturday when, you know, I'd probably jump into the car with Jeanette and we go away for the day or have a coffee out somewhere or spend a weekend away, whereas now it's not the same going for a coffee yourself. So yeah, they've done a lot for me this year. Nobody wants to be alone at Christmas and I think the more that clubs do, more that communities do, whether it be a football club, a local club, a, a person, if you can do one kind gesture and pass that forward, and everybody will have a good Christmas and that, that's ultimately the aim and to see it grow from its inception five, six years ago uh, to what it is now is, is incredible. It's one of our best initiatives that we do and it's, you take real pleasure in doing that and seeing the joy that you can bring people and that the power football has. Yeah, a really emotional yet lovely story with George Bell there who was a Festive Friends participant at Queen of the South this year. Dan, that'll be the first time you've, you've heard the video. Obviously you're in it. What did you think of it? And it's obviously really good that you've been able to support people like George this year. Yeah, I think when you you listen to the the emotion, the raw emotion first time, obviously it's the first time I've heard it from George, it, it sends shivers down your spine, especially the work that we do. Sometimes you don't see what impact that actually has on people. So to hear that back and what small gestures you think are small that we deliver out to people really do impact their lives and how the Christmas was. Hearing that there, that we've helped George massively since obviously the passing of his wife, which is tragic. Uh, it's, it's really maybe quite emotional, to be fair. Uh, we see George every Saturday. Um, he's in the cafe as a regular. He's a big Queens fan. And to know that we've supported him through such a difficult times really touched me. And Nicky, I suppose it's, it's just, you know, what Queen of the South are doing is indicative of what every single club in the SPFL and Cowden Beath have been doing this year as part of Festive Friends, having all 43 clubs delivering these kind of impacts in, in communities around Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for this, this obviously is the first year that we've been at every SPFL grounds and, and at our friends at Cowden Beath as well. Um, so to know that there's that reach right the way across the country and these small 
but really um, powerful impacts are happening for people up and down the country is is you know it's really uh, something that we're proud of um but it also demonstrates that reach that football has and you know dan talking there about george coming to the club and you know being involved every week we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that regardless of all of those sort of interactions that people have christmas is a different kettle of fish altogether and it can be a time where people who you know may have lost someone in the year and have managed to kind of you know work through that at, at the rest of the time christmas is a time when that can really hit home and be even more challenging and yeah. so you know to hear firsthand from george the difference that um that queen of the south have been able to make to him at this particular time in the year is is a wonderful um and a very emotional example of how festive friends can work so well you must have seen that quite a lot in your you know travels going around with the hampers around dumfries um daniel these wee little moments that just kind of touching the heart and just sort of you know brighten people's days just that little interaction for 20 minutes half an hour at someone's door is is all, all it takes to kind of lift someone's spirits a little bit if they're going through a hard time like like george was with, with losing his wife no absolutely and to see the difference that you can make by doing gestures like that is fantastic i've always said that football clubs are much more than that they they are the spirit of the community and they should be the pillar of the community to help the people that serve them football Clubs aren't anything without the fans. And if football clubs don't try and do community initiatives and help the fans that are supporting them, then I don't really see much point in football clubs. We're, we're a lot deeper than just three points on a Saturday and 22 players on a pitch. We're much more than that. And I think it goes to show the effort that the SPFL Trust put in with all the clubs in the SPFL. And uh, Cowden Beath, obviously, this year goes to demonstrate that. And the impact this year will be massive. Yeah, I think one of the things that... Um... It's particularly worth sort of pointing out on this is that for some festive friends will just be that kind of one-off interaction at a time when it's most needed but there are many others who that might be the first interaction of what becomes many in different ways so mm. not only do we kind of use festive friends to engage at that particular point in the year but for many it acts as kind of a referral point so um, people who might not be involved in anything else um, might start to feel more confident and comfortable and they might go on and engage with a club um, and their community trust for the rest of the year or join a mental health program or you know start going to a weekly lunch um or or get the support they need to be referred on to other agencies and i know that when you know you know you're talking about dan and the team going out to uh, doorsteps one of the things that had a big impact on face to friends with the pandemic was the pivot to the hamper delivery and what it actually meant was our community trust volunteers and staff were going to people's doors and mm -hmm. getting first-hand sight of the conditions that many people were living in yeah. and the loneliness yeah. that they're experiencing and you know you, you know it and you can hear it from people around a meal at a table at a club but it's a different thing altogether to go to people's front door and and to be faced with that and as a result of that you know we're able to further support people post festive friends and i think that's something that um is happening more and more and will happen more and more this year given the depth and breadth of festive friends across the country i think that's really important yeah, absolutely. absolutely just on that point uh, Nikki, it was really good that we saw that and we saw that last year, but more so this year we engaged with, this was our largest Festive Friends and it came off the back of last year's Festive Friends and partnering with local community groups as well that then referred other people that we could help with. And as you say, we did get referrals for our changing room project that again is run with the SPFL Trust. So it was um, exactly what you say, we're, a, we're an example of that. Yeah, I think, and you know, Festive Friends just started off with a pocket of money that we had and we wanted to do nice for something nice for older people at Christmas and we just thought, let's give everyone a wee Christmas meal and a wee present and actually here we are years later with something that's really embedded in the annual calendar for trusts across the country and is making a much wider and deeper impact for the people that engage with it. So, yeah, it's definitely something we all enjoy, isn't it, Dan? That's my favourite project, I think. <laughs> yeah, and well, it's... we heard you in the video, Dan, saying that it was you know, one of the most important initiatives that you run at the club. So it must be a, a real highlight for you and for the club overall. I just think the the demographic of people you, you try to target with the Festive Friends is sometimes different to the one you ordinarily do week to week. And it's a demographic that previously we struggled probably to get into and, and to come up with an idea. And when Festive Friends came about, it obviously allowed us into that demographic more so and it opened so many doors with partnerships and things like that that now we're quite comfortable and we run different projects in that age demographic and we found out more about what our community needs through the partnership work and through doing the festive friends. So for us, it was an eye-opener the first time we ran it and it's just grown year on year for us. And, and in terms of the SPFL Trust's overall 
response, Nikki, you mentioned festive friends growing from strength to strength. This year, with the way the world is, SPFL Trust have tried to do a little bit more and and try and give clubs more resources and, and, and more support when it comes to making change in their local communities with the Winter Support Fund. And um, Queen of the South are one of those um, who have been awarded funding for that, and we'll get on to that, but could you just explain to us a little bit more about the Winter Support Fund, what it was designed to do yeah. and what, what yeah, you hope absolutely. it's going to do? So I think, you know, um, everybody recognises this winter, you know, we've, we've come out of the pandemic well, pretty much, but um, we find ourselves in the midst of a whole set of other challenges and some of the tail ends of the pandemic as well. So, you know, it became pretty apparent pretty quickly that this was possibly going to be the hardest winter that, you know, for, for a generation or so. And we wanted to see how we could use the, re the reach of the, the community trusts around the country and their skills and experience to provide whatever support would be most suitable. And we worked with um, colleagues at the Poverty Alliance and Age Scotland and various other organisations and, you know, spoken to people with real lived experience of living in poverty and what that means for them and what that will actually mean for them for this particular Christmas and winter, because you know, that it's, it's worse than it's ever been. Um, and so what we wanted to do is we, we initially looked at the, at the pot of funds and, and initially thought we would do what we normally did, which was kind of work with national partners to kind of create one national programme and have community trust deliver that in different parts of the country. And, you know, as we, as we went through that and we took on all the learning and we listened, we realised actually for this particular need, the best thing to do was for the community trusts who are out there on the ground dealing with people every day. Yeah to tell us what would make the biggest difference in their communities. And so we set up the Winter Response Fund, um, or sorry, the Winter Support Fund, um, as part of our winter response work. And we were able to fund 10 community trusts who are all delivering something relatively similar and that we understood what the minimum requirements would be. And so they had to commit to that. But out with that, they can really do whatever is going to meet the best needs of their communities. And, and we have got 10 wonderfully uh, sort of varied, but really, locally focused pieces of work that are going to be taking place from January right through to March to support communities in the winter and it's it's a new way of doing things for us but it's been really well received it's very sad that we're having to do it but as charities we obviously exist to support people um, at their most challenging time and so to be in a position to do that across the network has been um, something that we're, we're pleased we are able to do we just really wish we didn't have to yeah that's the kind of the, the, the sad thing about it but you know the, the the positive is that the money's there and clubs are making a difference and, and one of the things that uh, is coming out of this is uh, social south dan which is something that uh, queen of the south are going to be running over the course of the next yep. few months could you tell us a little bit more about exactly what that entails yeah so as nikki said when they they put out the winter response and that you could apply for the funding i think that was massively important for us um following on from our impact report that was done Last year, we sort of understood our community a little bit better and more in depth than what was actually required. So when the opportunity came about to apply for the funding, um, it was a no-brainer to go in for it. But what we did was a slight change. We, we'd done a, our own winter response in that we opened up a food hub, which was um, the idea that people could get a food provision and have a choice and come into the football club, a safe place and environment, select the food that they wished and take it away without the stigma surrounded with the food banks we wanted to, to take away from that and we really then saw an opportunity to to develop that with the winter response that was available so what we're doing is the, the social self-employability which is where we're going to have 20 individuals come into palmerston and they're going to learn how to cook meals and use the food that is available in the food hub mm -hmm. to then create meals for the week um, at a low cost they're then going to get the food in food bags, if you will, that are created then uh, specifically to the recipe. And then they are going to go away, learn how to cook. They're going to get employability skills with first aid. They're going to get the food hygiene certificates. And they're going to then leave after the 12-week project with three qualifications, um, a recipe book that they know how to cook everything in that. So there'll be 12 different recipes. And then overall, much more um, employable at the end of it. So they're coming to a warm, welcoming environment. They're also going to eat the food that's cooked as well as gaining qualifications to hopefully then get the people back into employment and working with our partners, the Citizens Advice, the Job Centre, Dumfries yeah. Workforce to then get into employability in our region. And that's the good thing about a programme like that, isn't it, Nikki? It's not just like a stick and plaster where you give someone the thing they need immediately. You give them skills to go on and maybe give themselves better opportunities in the future. 
Yeah, I think so. And, you know, um, social south employability is a fantastic example of that. And I know it's something that Dan has been working really hard on in the last few while around their sort of food hub. Um, and I think it's probably, you know, we we, ha- we were inundated with applications for the fund and, you know, sadly, we're not able to fund everybody because yeah. the, the funding pot there is limited. But um, what struck us about the projects that we're funding is um, where they're either upskilling people at the same time or they're connecting them with organisations who will be able to provide those additional skills or additional yeah. support um you know or additional care um as part of them coming into the club environment and making the most of that you know football family type thing so um i think it really is about understanding that whilst this might be an immediate need in terms of food and fuel poverty and mm-hmm. social isolation everything that goes with it how can we make best value of the time that we spend with 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 the people who'll be who'll be coming through our doors so that we know that no matter what we're doing with them whether it's cooking classes or you know a cinema club that we are making the connections within our communities to be able to provide above and beyond that once a week coming in to watch a movie and have something warm to eat Um, and i think that's going to be really really important to people and i think it's also um about recognizing the sort of pride and self-esteem for individuals as well and you know we know from lived experience um that you know just opening your doors and telling people to come in because it's warm and you can get something warm to eat that's not what people want to to hear or to feel they don't want to feel that they're receiving charity you know it's about their self-esteem and their pride and you know if we can create spaces where that might happen anyway but they also get to do all these other things well that's the kind of environment people want to be in you add that to the fact it's a football stadium and you've got uh, guys like Daniel and, and all the other people across the country who'll be delivering on that then that's something where people will want to be and that's the unique thing that football can offer. Yeah it really sounds like a, a fantastic program and you must be delighted to to be able to deliver that. Dan just how important is it that the club engage in the community in this way? Huge. I think I've said it all along that Queen of the South's Dumfries and Dumfries is Queen of the South. One doesn't work without the other. And I'm passionate that football is much more than a game. I think I said it earlier in the podcast that it's much more than that. And the more that you care about individuals will remember that and ultimately then feel at home at the football club. Um, I think that football has such a powerful impact that it doesn't matter where you are in the world, everybody understands what football is and the power that it has. And for us to to hold the ball, if you will, and be able to pass that forward and do great things with the power that the brands up and down the country that football clubs have is is immense. Yeah, and then, like you say, I think it, it provides like almost like a safe space for people where they, they don't feel like they're walking into like a, a food bank, for example, or some kind of other, you know, uh, some kind of social centre. You're, you're walking into a place that you associate with good memories, sometimes maybe bad memories, but a lot of the time kind of warm and happy memories. And that's just that that's kind of like the power of football. And when you're having these events at Palmerston or out and about in the community with your, your Queen of the South badges on, you must get really good responses and interactions from, from the locals. Oh, absolutely. I think um, the community work the football club does and undertakes is, is magnificent for the size of football club we are. And it is about caring for every individual that walks through the door. I've always said if we run a programme and that positively impacts one person's life, then that programme was was well worth doing. Um, and we'd never shy away from doing a programme due to numbers or anything like that. And I think that football clubs up and down the country follow that model that we're here to impact people's lives for the better. Mm-hmm. And the more clubs that do, obviously, the Festive Friends with 43 clubs um, demonstrates that. I think one of the things that it ultimately points to is the fact that football clubs are anchor organisations. There's not very many places in our communities and societies anymore, you know, in towns and villages and cities where people like congregate, you know, where people just come together. You could be going there for all sorts of different things. Yes, there's three o'clock on a Saturday, um, you know, and all the other bits that go with it. But like, that that's gone those kind of places are kind of long gone now mm. and you know football stadiums and football clubs are kind of one of the kind of last remaining set of institutions almost that really sit within the heart of a community um you know there's all sorts of examples you could look to in the past um different varieties of that but ultimately that's what you know dan has just described you know um the club as the community and the community as the club um, and that, I think, is the thing that drives so many of, of the community trusts within the network is that understanding and what that gives you the opportunity to do in terms of improving lives for people. 
How important is it, Dan? And I can see you get you get good buy-in from the first team, but how important is it to have the the football club on side with the community trust when you're going out and doing things like festive friends or any of your other related programs at, at the community trust? Oh, it's paramount. That's the hook. I think when I was growing up, I was a big Burnley fan, and just to I remember going and standing at the front of the stand and trying to get their autographs, and that's that's ultimately what gets you hooked. You yeah. want to go and watch the play score a goal, like Rudy Payton's our top goal scorer, and the amount of children that come in on a Wednesday at our after-school club and do Rudy celebrations, uh, pretend to be Rudy Payton or one of the other players with the names on the back of the shirt. That's the buy-in and that's the association of the badge. And then the community trust then follows it up with that massively impactful work that they do, whether it be breakfast clubs, food hubs, after-school football, behavioural classes, food provision. It really doesn't matter because that brand awareness is there and that connection to the brand of that's a football club coming in to do this. Ultimately, we'll be saying the same messages that teachers will be saying in PE, uh, in the behavioural classes, but it's just coming from a different place that, that kids can associate with, uh, yeah. adults can associate with, with different memories. Well, I think whether you're three or 93, I think football and football clubs have that power to just start a conversation around anything. Yeah. You'll be able to tell me your favourite goal, your favourite memory at a football club, uh, who your favourite player was and why. And it'll be a rational reason. There'll not be a set reason why. But to have the buy-in of the, the football club is huge. And fortunately, the football club here have been magnificent. Um, and the buy-in's 100%. Unfortunately, we've only got 45 minutes because Jake and I could probably sit and reel off loads of memories from the football over the years, good yeah. and bad. So. <laughs> or bad. But... <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, like, listen, guys, thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing with us and, and best of luck with your, your programme as well, Dan. Um, social South employability, I'm sure that will be fantastic. And Nikki as well, thank you for coming on and telling us a little bit more about the SPFL Trust's work over the winter period. Coming up next, we have some football chat where we'll be joined by Queen of the South forwards, Rudy Payton and Clyde Hitman, Jordan Allen. But first, it's time for the halftime highlights, a run through of some football powered stories from across the country. <laughs> A record-breaking SPFL Trust Festive Friends programme was delivered this winter as 43 clubs engaged in the initiative. All 42 SPFL clubs and Cowdenbeath reached over 4,000 elderly, socially isolated and vulnerable people through Christmas meals and hamper deliveries. Elsewhere, as a part of the SPFL Trust's winter response, 10 clubs have received funding to deliver projects in their local area. Aberdeen, Arbroath, Celtic, Dundee, Dundee United, Hibs, Montrose, Queen of the South, Partick Thistle and St Mirren have all been awarded a share of the £100,000 Winter Support Fund to roll out a range of projects. Football Fans in Training is back for 2023. The first cohort of FIT will commence this month with 17 clubs taking part. Men and women aged 35 to 65 and with a waist size of at least 38 inches or belly size of at least 40 inches are able to take part. Visit spfltrust.org.uk forward slash fit for more information. At Falkirk, the club's community foundation recently released their annual report revealing excellent delivery of mental health programmes. The Falkirk Football Community Foundation engaged 595 people with 100% noting an improvement in their mental health and well-being. And finally, the SPFL Trust have partnered with Prostate Scotland to deliver a special reimagination of football fans in training. Working with Rangers and Hearts, Prostate Fit aims to help men living with prostate cancer build their knowledge of exercise, diet and nutrition over 12 weeks. Now on to the football, and Callum and I are joined by Queen striker Rudy Payton and Clyde forward Jordan Allen. But before we get started, here are the quarter-final fixtures we have coming up on Tuesday the 10th and Wednesday the 11th of January. Dundee welcome Dunfermline to Dens Park, Hamilton take on Clyde, Queen of the South take on Kelty Hearts, and Wraith Rovers travel to Queen's Park. Yes, and we're joined by Clyde striker Jordan Allen, who is absolutely firing at the top of the League One goal-scoring charts and I take it you're raring to go for this game against Hamilton in the SPFL Trust Trophy quarter-finals on Tuesday night, Jordan. Aye, obviously looking forward to it. Um, be good to play against a team of love and see kind of where we're at. But no, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. Yeah, how does it work with, you know, at, at, at the level you're at where you're, you're trying to fight against, you know, relegation at the bottom of League One and you've got this cup run? Is it is it is it a welcome break? Is it is that a distraction? How does, how does that work for you personally and, and for the team? No, um, it's good, obviously, um, to go in these cup runs. Um, it's it's like different. It's different for playing in league. Obviously, you want to win. Um, it is good. It's, I wouldn't say it's a distraction necessarily. No, I think we just kind of take one game at a time, um, and kind of take it for there. Obviously, it is good to play against like teams like Hamilton, who are obviously the league above. Um, as I said, it'll be good to challenge, 
ourselves like our, our boys against theirs to see kind of what the difference um in levels and obviously test us against them and see how we got them. Obviously, it's been quite a difficult league season uh, this season for Clyde, but maybe this competition can kind of galvanise your season a little bit if you keep going under a, a good bit of form in that competition. I obviously, you know, the league's going to be hard with the amount of full-time teams in the league, and obviously we're part-time, but can't really use that as an excuse. It's 11 v 11 at the end of the day, but um, obviously we get a, a good wee kick for the one up at Elgin um, in the previous round, and hopefully we can do the same on Tuesday. We know we're going to be underdogs, but uh, sometimes that's not a bad thing. Yeah, you showed a lot of balls to come through that game, and obviously we're out on penalties. How, how much do you put that down to having the new manager in and... Has that really kind of changed your mindset a wee bit at the club at the moment when Jim Duffy walks through that door? Aye, um, it's been good. Um, obviously, that the game was tough. Obviously, we got a man sent off as well, so the conditions weren't great, the park wasn't great. So it's just one of the ones we just need to dig deep. Um, and obviously, we won in penalties. It showed a lot of bottle for your, your team as well. We scored every penalty, so um, it is good. But uh, the gaffer's been brilliant with us. Um, he's kind of gave us a... A platform to work with and just tell us kind of what he wants and uh, what he expects for us week in week out and hopefully we can carry keep carrying that out and kind of both of those things must have uh, gave you and the rest of the squad a little bit of confidence kind of new manager coming in and getting that win at Elgin under difficult circumstances obviously with 10 men I it's just it's just new ideas um kind of strip everything back to the basics and try to work out what we're, what we're good at as a team um, and I'd say what worked up at Elgin, um, especially with the conditions, it wasn't as you say, it wasn't great. But it probably wasn't a pretty football. But at the end of the day, you're just trying to get in the next round of the hat, and that's exactly what we've done. So obviously, he's a really experienced manager as well, Jim Duffy. He's worked at, you know, Dundee for years. He's he's been all over the country and in, in various different levels, Morton, and um, it must be good for a kind of younger player like yourself to to go in and, and learn from him. I am just trying to learn every single session, just try and be a sponge and take everything that he's saying because as you said, obviously, the experience he's had and the players he's worked with, um, it's only with it, if you take it in, it's only going to benefit me. Um, and from a personal point of view as well, I'm always looking to, to listen and get better and improve my own game as well as improve the team. Seems to be working as well because you've had you know probably your best goal-scoring season of your, your career so far with, with 10 in the league. You're kind of pushing Rudy Payton and a few others at the top of that. Goal scoring chart in League One. What would you put that down to, Jordan? That kind of big up turning form for yourself. Um, just kind of run of games. To be honest with you, like, through my career, I've never really had like the kind of long run of games. It's always been in and out, in and out. Even when I was doing well, I was still in and out. Yeah. Uh, the team, but obviously the gaffers put faith in me. He knows he can trust me, and it's it's obviously working. His first game up at Dunfermline, and, and obviously we got we were in two and a half time, but it was still a good point to get. But obviously scoring two. In his first game, kind of, um, kind of settled it a wee bit, um, and it's just I've just kind of kicked on for there. Obviously, confidence is a massive thing as well as a striker. If you're scoring yeah. goals and you're confident to get into every game and, and scoring goals, and that's kind of obviously the way I kind of feel as well. Um, with the run of kind of been on, so it's as I said, it's just a confidence thing as well. I knew that if I could get a run of games under my belt, that's what I can produce. But uh, for the gaffer to give me that opportunity and believe in me to go and to go and score goals from then it's massive with that confidence do you find yourself kind of getting into more dangerous areas and just you know putting yourself in that position to score more goals just with that kind of mindset you've got i i've always been confident as a player um i've always been confident i'm going to score goals but i just it's just one of the ones where if you're on form it's a difference feeling like you could miss kick things or scoff at things and it go in well and if you're low in confidence it plays in your mind a wee bit, whereas if I'm if I'm maybe not having a great game, but I'm still I'm still getting in the right areas and right positions, I always back myself to score. Um, so it's always good that way as well. And obviously, you know you've been the club's top goal scorer. When you go into these these one off cup cup games, you feel like in a element of like pressure that you know everyone's looking at you to to change the game and and make that impact because that's what what you kind of you need in a cup game. Sometimes if it's a bit of a stodgy game for your kind of star player, special player to go and get you that goal. Yeah, obviously, um, pressure's a good thing as well. It can go against you, it can go for you. It's just going to whether you rise to the task or not. And um, I feel I'm confident I'm, I'm going into the game as well, so I'll be confident I'll be going into score goals and hopefully hopefully get something for the team. Yeah, it's going to be a bit, bit of a strange one on, on Tuesday night when you take on uh, Hamilton at New Douglas Park because obviously you're, you're ground sharing with them this season, um, both playing at 
at New Douglas Park, you're going to be a bit of a bit of a strange one, like knowing what dressing room to go in for a start at the at the beginning <laughs> of the game. No. <laughs> As soon as it came out, a couple of boys wrote in the group chat as a homer away. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, as it's, it's weird, no playing it as your own ground this season, but it's obviously your ground sharing that is weird, but um, it's not going to affect us in any way. We're just going in solely focused on the game um, and hopefully get some for it and get in the next round. And obviously, with this competition, the SPFL Trust Trophy, it kind of gives clubs a wee bit lower down the pyramid that opportunity to go far in a competition and perhaps get to the final or maybe even win it. I obviously, as soon as you go in a cup, go in uh, in any cup, you're looking at obviously if you beat this team, you get a big team in the next round, or it's the same as in the Scottish as well, playing against bigger teams in higher leagues. So you obviously want to go in there and press, and as I said, like kind of put yourself against better players in this area than in a better league. So it's good to test yourself against them as well. So obviously, when we got Drew Hamilton, it was everybody was buzzing. It was obviously a team in the the league above, so everybody's buzzing for the game, and it's obviously a big occasion as well for the club. Yeah, and it would it would mean a lot for for a club like Clyde to to go a bit further and maybe even get to like a final because it's a it's a club like we were speaking a lot bit before we kind of jumped on here and and it's a club with a you know a good fan base and a big history and it's maybe had a wee bit of a difficult time but it'd be good to repay the fans with you know a, a decent run in the cup and and maybe try and you never know get your hands on the trophy. Yeah, hundred percent. The fans have been brilliant to me since I came in. Um, a good relationship with the fans as well and they're always singing my song singing my name as well so it would be good to kind of give them a wee bit back obviously they've not had a lot to cheer about this season like results wise but they're always here on the numbers week in week out so it would be good to obviously give them a wee bit something back and give them something to cheer from and then hopefully take that into the league games would you be able to give us a couple bars of your song jordan though no chance <laughs> <laughs> i had no to ask chance. i had to ask it's the uh, yeah. ju- the journalist in me uh, from my previous life i had to ask you that one but um yeah i mean it was, obviously it's a it's a big game and you, and you look at the kind of see when you, you're in that that draw scenario and you, you get hamilton but do you look at the other fixtures and think oh, we could beat those if we get through that we can get them and we can beat those or is it just a kind of case of focusing on on the next game no, 100%, just in the next game. There's no point looking further ahead when you might not even get there. You need to deal with what's in front of you first before you start thinking ahead. If you get through that round, then you obviously look to see who you get next. But for me personally, and I'd probably speak out to the rest of the boys as well, we're just solely focused in the next game. We'll take Kelty first in the league and then we'll focus on Aki's after the game or after the game on Saturday. Is that something that the manager, Jim Duffy, kind of drills into you in the squad to just focus on the next game or is it more of a personal thing? Um, well, the gaffer, as soon as the gaffer came in, he says obviously what's done is done in previous games, but um, he's kind of instilled in is that we'll just take one game at a time. Um, but I've always done that as well. It's always been a kind of personal thing for me as well. There's no point looking forward because you never know what can happen. So it's always just one game at a time, deal with that, and then you move on to the next one. As a player over the course of your career, Jordan, have you kind of enjoyed playing cup football? Is it something that as a as a, as a striker you, you relish going into these kind of games? I obviously, I've it's been good playing. Oh, cup, cup, cup football is always good because, as I said, you, you might get a big draw. Like obviously, I've, I've played against Rangers previously with County for the mm-hmm. cup. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a massive occasion for everybody. Obviously, when you're playing against teams, teams higher up in the league, different leagues from you that are higher, you always want to try and impress, and um, that's just what you try and do. It is. It's good. It's good. Um, it's different for the league as well. Obviously, as I say, is like you always try to go that one step further in the cup, um, to see if you can get a big draw, but. Um, that is all. That is good, especially this one as well, because we got a, a good result in the last round. We joked a little bit about uh, New Douglas Park and whether it's a home or an away tie, but do you think it kind of levels the playing field a bit? With you know, you and the rest of the Clyde squad will be used to playing on that surface as well, Hamilton. Aye, obviously, as I said when I went to Elgin, it wasn't the, the surface wasn't great, but. Playing at Hamilton every second week, you know what the parts like. You know, obviously, if it's wet, you know it's going to be slick. But um, I probably make a lot of the boys more comfortable um, because I've played on the park and they know exactly what the surface is like. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, Jordan. Thanks for coming on and uh, chatting to us, and all the best on on Tuesday night for that match at home or away or wherever it is you're going. But <laughs> um, at New Douglas Park, anyway, mate. But yeah, all the best, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Thanks so much. Cheers, see you after, guys. Cheers, mate. Right. Right. And uh, we're also joined by Queen of the South striker, Rudy Payton, who is the man going head-to-head with Jordan Allen and the goal stakes, but also the haircut stakes. I believe you go to the same barbers, Rudy. Yes, yes, that's a true statement. So, two competitions going on. Who's? Um, I know you're slightly ahead, one goal ahead in the, the goal-scoring ranks, but who do you reckon's got the better barnet? 
He's got he's got a buzz cut, doesn't he? Does he? He's got uh, yeah. a little a little skinhead. So ah, it's got to come on. It's got to be me, isn't it? I've got the curtains. <laughs> the beautiful I'm, I'm flowing for, locks. Uh, I'm going for Brad Pitt Titanic. So yeah, oh, yeah, fantastic. He's going for kind of yeah, more so. like Brad Pitt and I don't know. Another movie, Ocean's <laughs> Eleven or My something. Anyway. Bit more of a skinhead. <laughs> um, Iconic barbers, man. Shout them out. <laughs> Rudy Payton's bangles. But you're banging them in, to be fair, Rudy, as well this season. You're absolutely flying with uh, 11 goals. How much are you enjoying your, your football at the moment? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've got to say I am. Uh, it's been conflicting feelings because obviously the, um, the results in the league haven't been good enough, but I, I seem to keep scoring, so uh, you kind of, yeah, it's conflicting feelings, but definitely enjoying it more. Uh, I played a lot of wide right last year. That was uh, kind of hard, hindering mm-hmm. my uh, my ability to score goals, and I, I told the manager last year I, I felt I should play up front, but, uh, you know, obviously he thought I was better at wide right, but I had to prove to myself that I'm capable of playing up front and scoring goals, so... Um, you know that's kind of where it's at this season. It's been different because I've played through the middle and I feel more effective there. To be honest with you, yeah. And you're um, facing Kelty Hearts in the next round of the SPFL Trust Trophy. Um, obviously, you came so close to winning it all last year. Are you aiming to get back to another final this year? Yeah, yeah, of course. What's the point of even playing if you're not aiming for that? Um, yeah, of course we are. But hopefully, you're not looking for the same outcome as last year. You want. One step further would be great, but um, there's still a lot of good teams left, so um, it'd be hard. It'd be hard to get there, but there's no reason why we can't. And obviously, yourselves and Kelty are, are really neck and neck in, in League One at the moment. Really keenly matched. What what are you expecting from them? I assume you've played them a couple of times this season, and we'll kind of know a wee bit about what's coming from them. Yeah, yeah, no, no good few of them. Um, I know a good few of the boys that are there and they've got some good good quality. I mean, every team has their own kind of their kind of outstanding threats or the unique threats, I'd say. You've got yeah. Big Alfie who's strong, fast, powerful. Nicky Lowe's a good player and the boy Lyman Higginbottom. They've got, they've got a good team, I'm sure. I'm sure when we play them, it'll be tight again. Um, we, we, we gave away a lead the last time we played them and stupidly you know gave them a win and we, we could have you know seen the game out but um yeah i'm sure they'll be up for it as well you know especially they'll be thinking the same thing it could swing either way you know it depends who shows up more on the day yeah i was gonna kind of ask you that you know the fact that you're kind of familiar with them does that make it easier or is it still that kind of unpredictability that comes with a, a cup tie yeah yeah it's all cliche isn't it it's a cup tie uh but i mean i mean yeah, of course they'll have their own their own uh, ideas going into the game, and you know their own way of playing. That I'm sure they're going to try and do their best to win. Um, but you know, of course, being familiar with them is a help. But you're probably familiar with all the teams. The rest of the teams are in a championship. Um, you're familiar with them too. So um, football's a small world. I'm sure you know that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not. There's actually not that many players in the four leagues. Yeah. So you get to know everyone pretty quick um and um they're all they're all good lads so and uh hopefully we go and have a right good goal you know what i mean have a yeah, good fight absolutely I'm up for it, man. <laughs> how, someone tries to smash me or something <laughs> how how important is it having the home advantage obviously you were away in the last round still got a good result but does it does it help when you go and have these matches at palmerston yeah yeah i suppose um i was, I was kind of thinking this the other day i was we we played Falkirk away last week and for some reason, Falkirk seemed to be like a different team at home. I, I don't know if you could say that about quite a few teams in the leagues. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the, the, not, not for us, but I mean, some teams seem to be really strong and feel more confident at home. And um, I don't ever really feel that, to be honest. I, I, kind of, I just look at it as it, it, it's the same park. You've got two goals and a, you know, a little halfway line in the middle. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Uh, but it... it it's better when you win in front of your home fans, I guess. Yeah. When there's more of them there, you know, it, it's a, it's a better feeling winning at home, yeah. But. And um, the SPFL Trust Trophy is kind of a, a real chance to go on and have some success this season, win it, get to the final. Oh yeah, of course it is. Yeah, I suppose it's better for teams. 
out with the Premiership. I mean, I think I think it's actually quite important for teams out with the Premiership who've, you know, we're all kind of in now with a real good chance of going far in the competition. And I'm sure when I look back at the end of my career, I'll, I'll hopefully be looking at things of days where I won trophies and everyone else does, I think. So um, I think it's quite an important cup, to be honest with you. You know, I think, uh, I don't think people really understand how much it does for teams like that winning a trophy in a year and you know it must be some buzz like yeah so, i mean I, a lot of people like you to put a lot of work into it you know it's not just a little fish and ship cup you know there's a lot of things that go into it there's a lot of media there's a lot of people in in the background doing a lot of work so that it's you know promoted and pushed so um you know it, uh, of course of course it would be great to win it yeah but uh it'll be it, it'd be hard so just like everything like worthwhile I mean, we, we know that you take it seriously, Rudy, because we came down for last season's trophy uh, ahead of the final and you, you got a picture with the cup to send back to your mum back home in Ireland. So it's uh, it's obviously important and a, and a proud moment if you were to win something like that to be able to share it with your friends and your yeah. family if you were to be able to go all the way. I think my mum would burst out crying, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, think, I, I, I don't know what my mum would do. And my dad. My dad pretends he's a big hard man as well. I think I think he'd burst out crying. He has a dodgy back. I think he'd be able to run if I want to cook. Man, see, so I, yeah, I suppose that would be the better a better feeling. Yeah, I mean, you look at um, you look at Michael Smith there. Is that, his name is Michael Smith, isn't it? At the darts. Yeah, yeah. You look at him. As soon as he won, he ran straight over to his family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sometimes it's almost better seeing the joy on their face. I'd love, I'd love to do something like that for my family. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, like what I said, man, that, that, that would be what you look like, you look back at. Sorry, and uh, yeah, it'd be, that'd be a great moment, really. Especially if we can pick up a few wins in the league and get some momentum, push for the playoffs, and then you know get to the final of a cup and win it would be brilliant, man. Seriously, I'd look, that'd be a successful season in my eyes. Yeah, that's the thing as well. You know, you're still in the hunt for the, the playoffs in League One because you're in that middle section of teams where there's there's really nothing between the, the the clubs and it's just a couple of results and you could be right up in it again. Oh, you've done your research. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny, funny as well. We we've really not hit any pinnacle of where we want to be this season, and uh, it seems like we're not that far off the playoffs at all. I mean, obviously we wanted, we wanted to go for the league, but. Um, you look at that a couple of wins and we could be fourth, which is awful strange because not in a bad way, you wouldn't even feel like you deserve to be fourth, but yeah. it's just a mad league. I mean, you look at the results throughout the season, beat people 4-0, been beat 5-2, and then people that have beat us, have, you know, like Edinburgh City, we, we beat them, we, we beat them 4-0 twice and 3-0, but they seem to absolutely smoke other teams. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a mad league. like. Um, yeah, it's a it's a funny football's a funny old game anyway, you know. Yeah, anyone can really beat anyone in that league, can't they? Yeah, yeah, it's strange. Well, unless you're done for them, then you only lose one game. But yeah, um, that's true. That's true. You've got. But job. even then, I mean, you'd, we we played on firm, and I was thinking, man, we played the firm the other week, and we were really good. We could have won yeah. the game. And I thought we 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 should play like we should be playing at this every week. Yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd be up at the top. I was at the game. The I was end. at the game. It was really close. Were you you at the game? Were you? Yeah, yeah, it was really were close. You, were you just were you just watching kind of leisurely, like? <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a Dunfermline fan. I have to admit. Oh god, <laughs> I'm like me. There's a few of them that don't like me anymore. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, because I I nicely in front of what's what's that little group called down? Oh, the, the Northwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't seem to like anyone who celebrates. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, they're. Uh, yeah, some pitch man. Great club, by the way. Great yeah. club. Um, <laughs> You're no, saying the right things, Rudy. You're saying <laughs> the right things. No, no, they are a great club. I mean, I, 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 every time I play in Dunfermline, I, I enjoy it. Every time. Pitch is brilliant. Uh, big stadium. There's a lot of fans. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant pitch. Anyway, um, yeah, when you looked at that game, I thought it was really close. We had chances in the second half. We probably could have won. I had a header at the end. Um, but, I mean, you look at that, and it, it, it is a really strange league. It, re- it really is. Even you look at Dunfermline, have went down, they went 2-0 down at halftime to Clyde, 2-0 yeah. down at uh, Kelty, mm-hmm. and they obviously came back and scraped the result, but yeah, football's mad, man. Football's mad. Football. Well, uh, hopefully you're, you're celebrating against uh, against Kelty in midweek, and uh, you're doing a wee knee slide in front of their fans, Rudy, so. Is that your go-to? Oh, God. 
Let's, let's pray. Say a prayer for me, man. <laughs> Hopefully, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go up in the world. <laughs> okay, mate. No, thanks for coming on and, and taking the time out and uh, all the best. No, right, right. Thanks, lads. Appreciate right, it. Thanks, thanks very much. Cheers, Rooney. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. Now, before we get into our predictions for the quarterfinals, let's have a run-through of the fourth-round results. Falkirk 0, Dundee 3, Aloe Athletic 2, Queen of the South 4, Arbroath 1, Dunfermline Athletic 5, Elgin City 0, Clyde 0, with Clyde winning 4-2 on penalties, Wraith Rovers 1, Green at Morton 1, with Wraith winning 4-2 on penalties, Kelty Hearts 1, Linfield 1, and Kelty won that 5-4 on penalties, Queen's Park 2, Montrose 0, and Hamilton Ackies 2, Inverness 0. Now, if you're listening carefully to those, you'll already know the answer to what's coming. It's time for the SPFL Trust Football Power Prediction League. Yes, Jake and I are going head-to-head for the duration of the trophy to find out who has the best knowledge of Scottish football. We all know it's me, clearly. And uh, you're protesting here. Well, it's panning out that way at the minute, but... (laughs) We're giving the game away here. Right. Anyway, I was in the lead 2-1 heading into the last round where we challenged ourselves to predict how many away teams would progress to the quarterfinals. Jake said, uh, and to be fair, what I thought was a ridiculous six. I said four. Um, the correct answer was four, meaning I've won again and, yeah. and pulled further ahead three-one. But it was it was it was touch and go for a bit. I mean, the, the, yeah. uh, two of those games on the on the Saturday went to went to penalties, and it was both you know home teams that ended up winning it. Rafe you know, Martin and Kelly Hearts Linfield, but yep. there's, there's nothing in it. I mean, that could have easily been. Been, you know, six away wins and you would have won that one. Exactly. At, at one point, I think there was a few games the day before or a couple of days before that went in the away team's favour and I thought, I'm winning this year. I think every result went for the away team on the sort of Thursday and Friday when yeah. there were games and that was that was three of the games. Yeah. And then the two games that finished at full time, um, no, one of the games that finished full time, something like that, was won by a home team, as, uh, an away team as well. Mm. And you kind of thought, right, here we go. You're going to get this. I'm sitting there, looking at the scores coming in, thinking I've I've made a mess of this. There's no chance I'm getting this. And then you know, thankfully, Kelty and and, and Rafe did the business. Um, a yeah, brilliant br- result for Kelty, by the way. We should say as well, it's a fantastic yeah, result uh, against Linfield. Obviously, Northern Irish champions and Rafe progressing as well. Um, and L- Linfield champions were, so. were ahead at one point as well. Where yeah. Kelty came back and then managed to to get through on penalties. So it lo- it did look like it was going in my favour, but. You were able to, to sneak it, unfortunately. Yep, and Jake's got it all to do now, having to win every round if he's to have any chance of coming out on top. So we're going to go on to what we're doing for the quarterfinals, and we're just going to do a straight prediction, really, of who we think will progress um, to the semi-finals. We'll give you a little kind of run-through of those fixtures again, in case you've forgotten. It's Dundee against Dunfermline, Hamilton against Clyde, Queen of the South against Kelty, and Queen's Park against Wraith Rovers. Uh, we've got our... Selections written down here, Jake. I'll, I'll let you go first and sort of kind of talk me through why you think each team you've picked will will kind of make it to that that last four stage. Yeah. So Dundee v Dunfermline, as much as it pains me to say, it, I'm going to need to 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 say Dundee will, will win that one. Obviously, Dunfermline are having a good season, but Dundee, you know, biggest budget in the championship, going well in the championship now as well. I just think they'll have too much for Dunfermline in that one. I think Hamilton will win. I think Queen of the South will win, and I think Queen's Park will win. So that's my predictions. Purely, I think Hamilton will beat Clyde because I, I just think they'll have too much for them. Obviously, Clyde a wee bit further further down in in the pyramid than Hamilton, and not going so well this season. Sorry to to Jordan who's who's been on uh, Queen of the South. I think will beat Kelty, although I think it'll be a close one. I just think at home Queen of the South will have a wee bit too much for them, and of course. They were in the final last year, so they've got a good good record in this competition. Although slightly contradicting myself, I think Queen's Park will beat Wraith Rovers, who were also <laughs> last season's finalist. And winner. And winner, of course, I. But I just think Queen's Park, you know, they're they're doing really well at the minute and mm-hmm. you know, there's every chance they can get promoted out of the championship for a second consecutive promotion. And I think they'll be keen to, to go far and do well in this competition as well. So I'm taking them there. Yeah, I've I've gone quite similar but in, in the interest of making it a, an easy competition to sort of referee <laughs> I've got a little bit different so um, I've got Dundee same reasons as you to beat Dunfermline I mean, Dunfermline are a good side but you know they're a, a good league one side I, I don't think um, many Palace fans will be going to that game thinking they're going to 
you know, have an easy an easy night of it. But you know, you never know. I mean, there's there's, there's any chance any of these games can go any direction. To be honest, because it's cup football. But like you say, Dundee have turned the corner a wee bit um, up until the last maybe weekend or so. They've 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 been flying. So um, I, I think they'll see this as a good opportunity to go and, and get a, get a trophy. You know, yeah. um, and just yeah, like you say, just too much resource for for Dunfermline and Dunfermline are probably quite happy just to focus on the league as well. You'd imagine um, going yeah, into I this so, final stretch of games. Um, Hamilton again. Clyde are, I know Hamilton are struggling at the bottom of the championship, but, but Clyde are struggling at the bottom of League One, and um, there is a big gap in quality um, between those two levels. And, and Hamilton have been performing pretty well in this competition to date. Um, it's home turf for them. It's home turf for Clyde as well, <laughs> I suppose. But yeah. but you know it's proper home turf for Hamilton or home Astro anyway. Um, <laughs> and I, I can just see them getting through. Um, this is where things get a bit different. I think I think Kelty have a good chance of, of beating Queens. I know Queens have got the home advantage. Um they're doing ever so slightly better in the league. Um by about two or three points, I think. Yep. Um but I just have a sneaky feeling about Kelly this season that they're gonna go all the way to the final, maybe not win it, but I just get this feeling this the way they've been performing, like that that Linfield game is just indicative of the fight and spirit that, that John Potter's got in his team now. Um and they have sort of picked up the yeah. pace a wee bit in League One recently where whereas Queens have sort of Middled all season, whereas Kelly had a really tough start. But you're, you know, you're kind of expecting that with the, with the step up. But they're starting to put the foot in the motor a wee bit now and, and show a bit of the quality they've got in their team. And um, I just have a feeling they're going to go down there and 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 sneak something again. Um, yeah. The other game I've gone for the the holders Wraith purely because of that. I, I think Queens Park are a better side this season, um, and I think they've got a hell of a lot of firepower. Um, which will be dangerous, but I just, I just have a really good feeling about Wraith um, because they just love this competition, yeah, and, and I can't, I can't see them not making the semis. They might not go the whole way or, or get to the final, but I think they'll be in, in, in with a shout as always. Um, yep. But yeah, it will certainly be interesting um, to see how it pans out. It's been a brilliant competition so far, and yep. um, we're getting to the business end of it now. So, so it's going to be. Uh, an interesting one. How are you feeling about your predictions? Because you really, you really do need to win this I one. Do, I do. I, I do need to. But, you know, I said it last time. I was confident. Obviously, I put my neck on line a wee bit with the six the last time. And you labelled it ridiculous. But I think this <laughs> one has got a wee bit more of a chance. But I look at yours and I also think that, you know, it could go either way. We're at that stage of the competition where anybody can beat anybody, really. So I think it'll be, it'll be tough, but it'll be interesting. Absolutely. And if you want to learn more about the SPFL Trust, check out their Facebook and Twitter or visit spfltrust.org.uk forward slash trophy to learn more about the work they do and the SPFL Trust trophy itself. And for more information about today's topics and participants, you can take a look at the episode notes. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. 